peace and love to you and peace and love to the whole world. How should I start it? Just, what's the vibe? I don't know. If you're feeling normal, do a normal. If you're feeling, um, I don't know, if you're feeling fergalicious, then do something else. We're started. How you doing? <laughs> um, how am I doing? Shit. Gun to your head, what does a fan represent in Twin Peaks? The fan represent... What does it represent? Yeah. That's just Bob in there. Yeah. Yeah. He's just chilling. That's just Bob exerting his power because it's it's a metaphor because he's always there, always watching, and he's everywhere. He's behind your dresser yes. looking at your diary. Yes. He's in the fan. He's in the walls, and he's in your soul, and then he'll eat your soul. All right. Well, I hope you, you keep that level of... Um, investigativeness for the next movie or the next thing we're going to talk about which is Inland Empire. Matt, take it away. What is Inland Empire about? Uh, so basically did, should I uh, In detail, I honestly, please. <laughs> honestly, a woman in trouble, that's the best way to describe it. Mm-hmm. There's this lady and she's an actress and she says, she joins a picture. Yep. And they say, well, you know, then weird shit, a couple weird things happen. Okay, you know. Then, uh, then they say, yeah, you know, actually the movie is a remake of an unfinished movie that was based on a gypsy folktale, and both of the leads got murdered. Yep. And then they're making the movie, and she gets a little cozy with her co-star. That's basically where it stops making sense. Yes. And then it's just like, it's like the nightmare parts of Twin Peaks or like Mulholland Drive mm-hmm. uh, for two and a half hours. Yeah. And what does it all mean? Really, the Inland Empire. <laughs> really, if you think about it, to be honest. Yeah, it's the friends we made along the way. Okay. Uh, let's just get right into it. So this movie's weird. It's a Lynch picture. Mm-hmm. Um, well, what do you think about it? That was pretty good. I mean, it's not my favorite Lynch movie that we've seen for the show. Um, Which ones have we reviewed? Uh, Blue Velvet and Wild at Ra- Heart, Eraserhead, Wild at Heart, and Elephant Man. So actually, quite a few. Yeah. Yes, I would agree. It's also not my favorite of those. I don't think it's the worst Lynch picture that I've seen, but the the big thing with it is that it's... Well, Wikipedia listed it as an experimental movie. That's it. That's all they say, because it's very hard to pin it down, what, what it really is, what, what, what it's about. Like, it has hardcore horror moments with jump scares, or I guess thriller moments. It has some um, noir element to it where we, the viewer, are investigating what's going on, what's this all about. It has like comedy moments where they're doing the locomotion in the middle of the movie. Yeah. Um, it's very, very abstract. And, it, you know, a lot of movies, even like a weird one, like. What's uh, the conception? They're not that complex, you know? Well, okay, I think uh, Inception is decidedly... I'll say it's decidedly less complex than this. Yeah. Um, But they're all sort of like... In in Inception, everything... They explain everything. Yeah. And then it's just like, dude, at, at the end, like... Think about it, bro. That's it. It's like everything else is clear, though, because they... Spend like forty minutes of the whole movie explaining shit. Yeah. So you're not confused. This one Lynch, like he's not tell. He's not. He, if you know Lynch, he doesn't hold your hand. Okay. Mm-hmm. He's just he's gonna show some things. <laughs> figure it out or don't. Okay. <laughs> and maybe he'll put ten clues in the DVD <laughs> fucking liners. That's it. I I didn't. I don't. I bet he didn't put any clues in the DVD of this. Probably not. No. Um, but like most movies, I t- 
to compare it to art, like I guess it would be like Renaissance paintings when they're just very pretty, um, and you can get some emotion or story from looking at it, right? And then this movie is like a Jackson Pollock painting where people are just going to look at it and go, what is that? I think. Yes. Um, even like Blue Velvet, which was transgressive. I mean, it isn't that abstract. It's pretty straightforward. But at the time when it came out, people were like, what is this? This is yeah. this is weird. The people that hate Lynch movies, this is what it looks like to them. This is like the opposite. On his spectrum, mm-hmm. this is like Elephant Man is like his one. Yes. Where it's like there's like maybe three total minutes of just art stuff. And then it's just a straightforward picture. Yeah. And this is the opposite, where there's, like, 20 minutes of story. And, and like, I'm not not to say there's no story here, okay? Because mm-hmm. that's just... That would be sh- uh, short... That would be shortcutting it, underselling it. Because there is stuff going on. It's probably lent itself well to a couple of rewatches. Yeah. Uh, especially because the first time you kind of watch this movie, admittedly, the atmosphere of it is great. Mm-hmm. That was, like, the that was the big thing for me. Yeah. Um, uh, you mentioned earlier that there was humor. One nice thing about seeing this in the theater, which we did, because this is like a new restoration. Yeah, by 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 David Lynch, Anus Films, by by Hugh Janus Films and David Lynch. We had to go see. So there was other people there, and I was worried they were gonna ruin the atmosphere <laughs> with their fucking being there. Yeah. Um, well, one thing that was funny was that um, I got to like when we watch stuff with Lynch and there's like you know when there's like ambiguously funny moments yes and that's that's like his that's one of his trademarks ambiguously funny moments where it's like uh-huh. yeah it's like ha huh. <laughs> it was fun it was nice to have other people there mm-hmm. to validate me wondering if this was funny or not and there's especially one guy who's yes a guy. I love that guy uh, there was even some parts where I was like, I don't think this is supposed to be funny. He laughs anyway. <laughs> That's just the beauty of his pictures that it's just so absurd most of the time that it's either horrific or funny or a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that was... <laughs> One thing uh, I'll say about the movie, though, is... So, they have this... They record it with a camcorder. Yes. And at he he's trying to do a lot of these very odd angles and zooms throughout the movie. And sometimes it gets into, like, comedic territory for me where I feel like it's supposed to be creepy or, you know, or, or just off or odd. But it comes across as, like, comedic. It reminds me of, like, that MDE sketch for World of Peace uh, when Nick trips Sam's wife into the table. <laughs> and then it oh stops and you see... <laughs> Like, that's exactly this angle that I was thinking. Yes. yes. It is like that. And he's like, Nick, you just tripped my wife. I saw you. And it's like, it's like, uh, I guess it's like melodramatic almost. Uh, yeah. Where it, it's like trying to, sh- <laughs> that's like the perfect way to do it. Mm-hmm. MDA, de- they definitely took a couple of pages <laughs> out of the book of Lynch. I'll tell you that for sure. <laughs> It gets a little too funny there, um, and again, I know that's that's not. Uh, I, I feel like that's not what he's trying to do. So, just thought I'd mention it. But yeah, it's definitely a movie that you'll want to rewatch because, the, well, Sarah Palmer shows up. I want to say her actual name. It's Grace Zabrisky. She shows up at the beginning of the movie. She's Polish. It's like this whole. Polish French um, conspiracy that they're doing throughout the movie um, and she shows up at the beginning of Inland Empire to talk to Laura Dern she's like oh I heard you were going to be in a movie she's like well I don't know if I got the part she's like you did and she's like okay uh, and then she's like I heard there's a murder in the movie she's like nope and she's like there is <laughs> and she's going okay <laughs> whoa this is kind of sus and then she just starts to say things um, like about this marketplace and a back alley in it, which allows you to time travel. And about a, a girl half born mm-hmm. and just sh- cryptic shit like that. Yeah. And she even says, like, oh, you'll probably forget all this stuff that I'm saying. Um, so I'm pretty sure that's like the key to the movie. If you really listen to that and then you, you know, see if the pieces connect they probably will that's the 10 clues yeah that beginning yeah Yeah. it seems so because it sets up it sets up the tone of the movie which is 
um huh <laughs> Uh, because this in, and this is one of those instances in which the camcorder work worked well mm-hmm. in terms of the angles because um, it it was really kind of suffocating the atmosphere when you have that close up of of Grace Zabriskie um, and maybe it's just because she's a really good horror actor but mm-hmm. it was like it was legitimately kind of unsettling yeah sometimes the the uh untr- the untraditional method of filming actually does lend the movie mm-hmm. some bonus points i would say over something you know like that he would typically shoot on a cinema camera on an imax camera or something i don't know what he uses yeah there's a lot of close-ups like for a majority of the movie 80 percent of the screen is filled with someone's face yes it just sometimes it's like it's just it's like when there's just of like all the times it does that it's like maybe like 15 percent of the time it's like hey this looks like one of those funny pictures your friends takes of you too close yeah, yeah, yeah. and it just doesn't work but given that the movie's three hours i'll give him props for making this work yeah it's a long movie i'll say it definitely f- feels long um because there isn't just a whole lot to grasp onto um, unless you're theorizing and trying to connect the pieces on your first watch, it's just going to be a lot. I think. I don't know. Do I, was that uh, it, your it experience? Was a, it was a lot. Yeah. Um, I almost wish I rewatched the movie for the review. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's. I think it's not something you want to watch back to back. Nah. Yeah. We could re-review it one day. Yeah, maybe down the line. Maybe next time we, if we do another Lynch picture, we'll we'll include a little bonus if we rewatched it. Because a movie that we seemingly continue to talk about in Mulholland Drive um, there's this what you call it the box draw moment where they have this blue well spoilers I don't know they have this blue metallic box they open it up and then that's when the movie kind of loses itself because before that it's just a somewhat straight detective story Um, and in this what happens is Laura Dern gets a role uh, in the movie and then we see her filming it one night see her behind the scenes and then there's a scene where she comes up to her co-star Justin is it Theroux? Yeah. Theroux? Theroux, yeah. Um, he's playing the same guy in Mulholland Drive yes. except he's an actor not a director. He just plays cheese dicks like co- like just cocksure cheese dicks that's mm-hmm. his character. She's talking with her uh, with the co-star who you know they have this will they won't they thing going on and, you know, she says something like, I think my husband's going to find out about us, or maybe he already has. And then she's like, oh, my God, that sounds like lines from our movie. And then you hear the director going, cut, cut. And they're like, oh, uh? Yeah, um, and she's like, huh? And then that's, yeah. That's it. Uh, before that, they're rehearsing lines just in the stage, and then they hear something off in the distance. Justin Theroux goes and sees who it is, and then... He says uh, they disappeared in a place where no one should be able to. And then it kind of keeps going. But after that cut moment, or a little bit after that, um, you see Laura Dern going through the back alley. And then she goes into this um, set house because she sees herself and Justin Theroux. She's the person that they heard. And then she runs into this yeah, the set house. And then the movie goes completely downhill from there. Uh, we see her, like, living, exit the house, and then she's in this new world. Um, she, her husband's there, but he's, like, this schlubby uh, poor man now who spills ketchup all over himself. She has this harem of ladies uh, living with her. They're, like, ghosts or something. They're like, ghost streetwalkers? Yeah. They do the locomotion. <laughs> they show each other their boobs. Um <laughs> I see what was funny. I think I've seen that before. I want to really? say I've seen that before, like on YouTube or something. Where she's just like, oh my god, look at them. And then it sticks, like, we linger on them. And then Laura Dern, just like the audience, is like, what the fuck is going on? At basically every turn of the movie, she just, just horrified because she didn't understand what the hell is going on. Uh, and I guess we should talk about her performance, which I think is really good. It is really good. Yeah. yeah. I saw that she was a co-producer on the movie, mm-hmm. which means I guess she was invested in the project. Uh, she is really good in this um, because it's... And I'll give her props because this is... Uh, I, I want to say this is unfamiliar territory for her at the time. 
I mean, I just see her as Jurassic Park lady a lot of the times. I'm going to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she, she's got range here. Uh, she's up there with the best of the Lynch uh, scream queens. Except these, they don't really scream. They just look terrified. Mm-hmm. But she's she's up there with like Shara Lee. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess Naomi Watts and Laura Haring and Mulholland Drive. But yeah, she's really good. Um, she really, she, she conveys the like confused terror perfectly. Um, sometimes she's playing like multiple characters. Yeah. Um, and in that way, um, she does definitely move between like one character to another, like a mix of the two. Cause it's hard, impossible to tell sometimes she's really good. Mm-hmm. She's probably the best performance in this film. I mean, it's centered around her. So that makes sense. But, um, yeah, as they even have that classic Lynch scene where something comes to the camera and they make Laura Dern just by herself terrifying mm-hmm. when it, you just see her from a distance at the spotlight and then it gets closer and closer and she's making a silly scary face but it's actually scary there's just something about the movie and that that just is that's just part of the atmosphere of the film and that's just like for me that's what Lynch does best it's that like it's just that feeling mm-hmm. the movie feels weird yeah and even though the movie is long and maybe arguably too long because even for Lynch, it's like hard to sustain yes. that kind of uh, confused horror for that long. Yeah. He does it well. Okay. Like maybe like, like I said, the couple of the close-ups are whatever funny or whatever. And there's a couple of disarming comedic moments, but he really does maintain the mood throughout the whole film. And because of that, it really just does feel like an exposition of his, like, I guess his surrealist style, mm-hmm. his surrealist horror style. Um, that was the best part of the movie for me. Um, the fact that he was using the camcorders initially, I thought that was silly mm-hmm. because I was like, okay, why? You know, it, it, it's like the opposite of philosophy of like a Nolan or a Tarantino where they're, they're so pure mm-hmm. and it has to be like all the classic movies they see him, but he's just like, whatever, I'll try these camcorders. But the camcorder work actually does give, lend, uh, it, <laughs> it does bolster the film like it does add some it adds something to it because for one thing you feel like you're closer to the horror than or what's going on than maybe if it was filmed traditionally because there's that element of you're watching a movie but like sometimes it doesn't feel like a movie i i said it was like sort of like this is like his found footage movie Mm mm-hmm Except like it's impossible. It would be impossible to get this footage. But I think the point was you're supposed to be as as confused and as disoriented. Which yeah, sometimes there's some shaky cam as it would be because I think I guess he just did this all hand mounted or whatever. Probably. Um, it 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 really does add something to the movie, and to me, it really differentiates this from Mulholland Drive which was one thing I was a little bit disappointed with with this movie was the similarity to Mulholland Drive Mm -hmm. because he does the same well it's the same like it's sort of the same basic setup it's not a complete copy of the movie by any means but it's like this blonde Hollywood actress um, goes for a role and then weird things happen same with like twin peaks which was a, like rin to be or it was inspired by marilyn monroe yeah yeah and yeah i guess like fire walk with me is kind of like that too but this one was weird because like it felt like uh especially because this is i guess is is this is uh i don't think he had any projects between this and mulholland so that was like 2001 right it's, yeah. it's like five years later and it feels like it's covering familiar tori- familiar territory by no means is that the same story but mm. I was I was almost disappointed that he wasn't like doing something else you know like moving away maybe he got comfortable in that sphere and you know does this have anything to say about the industry or or Hollywood uh, I don't fucking know what is the Inland Empire looked it up it's just like a neighborhood in california or something i i honestly have no idea i think this one is a little bit supposed to be it's supposed to be a little bit more loose and abstract than mahan ones which was like yeah story driven for like two hours and then it devolves into but um it's a good picture 
Yeah. I mean, I got the same vibe as Mulholland uh, Drive, especially when they had that shot in Inland Empire where they just zoom in on the Hollywood sign and yeah. they make it very clear what it's about. And same with Mulholland Drive. Like, they have that pretty similar shot. And Mulholland Drive is the street that like leads up to the hollywood sign too so it's about ascension through to hollywood yeah um and yeah just a woman in trouble in hollywood um the movie opens with this uh, faceless girl uh, her face is blurred out and a, a man with his face blurred out and then He's just basically using her like a prostitute, um, like they were doing in Mulholland Drive as well. Um, with the, well, we'll talk about that another day. But um, they start out with that, and I'm pretty sure, like, if I had to guess, I'm gonna say that that woman is the woman in trouble because then we see her just watching TV, and that that's a recurring throughout thing throughout the film is she's watching this rabbit thing. Yeah, which I guess was a previous project that he incorporated, which is just these people in like rabbit suits and like sitcom framing, and it's it's like it's like it's like a it, it reminded me when you showed me Dumbland, yes, or whatever, yeah. where it's like this is what Lynch thinks of TV <laughs> or or most television. This is like his this is like him expressing his distaste for it in a way where where the rabbit walks in everyone goes woo yeah yeah oh yeah and they just say shit that doesn't make sense sometimes they'll put the laugh track on and they're doing the same thing every single time you see them lady a rabbit in the back is ironing and another mm-hmm. two are just sitting on the couch yeah they have this as a motif throughout the film where this lady is watching the tv the whole time while laura dern runs around dimensions and time and places uh i i have like a small theory about what that's about but i'll, I'll save all the theory stuff for once we, we review it uh for no for once we get um once we get this the technical stuff out of the way. oh sure 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 um yeah the rabbits thing was good uh, i want to watch the whole thing there's a you can only get in this one specific box set which is unfortunate but i guess i just watch on youtube too but it's it was like a, a short that he had done i think it was like five episodes something like that and then you can also view it as a as a movie too if you just cut out the title cards and everything else yeah um and naomi watts plays one of the rabbits the other two i'm not really sure but yeah they just have this thing where one rabbit says to the other like i'm gonna tell them what you did one day you know and then he'll just be like huh <laughs> and she'll be like we didn't get any phone calls today yeah, and i'm like oh man it just has and the the vibe of it is just like uh it's like like it's like uh, the way people feel about like porcelain dolls, mm. you know, where it's just like uncanny. And even though they're just like silly rabbit costumes, they're just some off. There's one part where like there's one part where like uh, it the only real part where it broke for me, like its character. Yeah. Was for some reason, one of these ghost prostitutes ladies, like, uh, was it her who said, um, burn a hole through a piece of silk with a cigarette? Wear the watch. And, and wear the watch. And then you can look through to the other side or whatever. I think it was one of the ladies. So she does, Lordern does that. And then, like, then you see the hole burning through the wall of their apartment. Mm-hmm. And then, like, it it um it it superimposes like another part of it like it's the same scene but then it's like red lighting and the rabbit comes out with these candles oh yeah yeah, yeah. and i was like okay this is getting fucking creepy i'm gonna have to go for a bathroom break right now this is fucking heavy uh that was where it was like that was for me like that was the one break where you're getting like a little bit of glimpse into what's actually going on but then it just goes back to normal yeah and the the one rabbit um, throughout the movie too says something about like I know it's red yeah something like that there's so many clues that they drop throughout the movie like in episode 3 of Twin Peaks when Dale has his dream and then you get you know the lore dump or in um, they don't have that many clues in Mahon Drive but anyways like they'll just kind of say things like in Twin Peaks The Return um, and in Fire Walk With Me, there's that whole, like, is it future or is it past thing that mm-hmm. they'll say. And in this, a character will say, look at me and tell me if you've seen me before. And 
so they have this like this saying that probably gives you a path throughout the movie upon the rewatch yeah. or um or it means something greater um they have that they have uh, sarah palmer's little speech at the beginning which i already said and uh there was something else oh and then like laura dern the movie's so fragmented we see her like in in her second house and then we also see this laura dern who's like bruised up she has that accent that she uses in the movie uh and then she's like more of a badass laura dern like she's talking about like killing guys and biting their nuts off yeah um so like the accent is probably another clue of the timeline as well Uh, there's there's so much in the movie like so i know that there is some meaning there Mm -hmm. you know sneeze no, I just got a, I got a little sinus blockage. But oh, okay. Just, it's like you got a little phlegm. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I don't, <laughs> I don't want to hawk a loogie into the, our audience's face. So, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. Um, what are you saying? Continue, continue. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, sorry. That's fine. I mean, we talked about on the way home. Um, I, I think Lynch has a very big soft spot for Wizard of Oz because in Mulholland Drive, in Twin Peaks, there's always that curtain pull moment yeah. where you see the master pulling the strings, right? And I was thinking, like, damn, Wizard of Oz is almost Lynchian because it, it has a girl that's living in a dream world where there's, like, characters that she knows from the real world and then at the end of the movie, she wakes up, returns to the real world, and they're like, hmm, was that, re- like, did she actually go there? Was it really a dream? Oh, it was all a dream, or was it? Yeah, yeah. You can almost put a the end question mark at the end of Wizard of Oz, except mm-hmm. it wraps up neatly. But yeah, it's easy to see how he could spin that. And I guess it is kind of, I mean, the world of Oz is it's pretty surreal. It mm-hmm. really makes too much fucking sense. <laughs> Flying monkeys and shit. But there's there's that uh, the curtain pull moment in that where you can see the the master behind everything behind the dream I guess um, you have that in Twin Peaks too when you meet the the fireman uh, and in this you have the the weirdest one probably the least charismatic Lynch character I've seen where it's just this like schlubby accountant looking guy with his glasses on crooked he's at the top of this nightclub um, which also has a red drapes which David Lynch just busts for and look at how beautiful this curtain look at that look at that look at them oh <laughs> but he lives atop of the of this nightclub Laura Dern comes in and tells him about uh, beating up men and how they're little babies um then obviously like we see that clip and then that clip will like go into her back in the house and then she like leaves the house and then goes to this nightclub goes up the stairs and then like meets the accountant it's all broken up like that um but i'm pretty sure him and was it crimba or crimp mr crimp i think was his name which guy laura dern has like this neighbor he's the the polish guy who i think was in the original movie I think that's what it was. And then Lord Dern shoots him at the end. Mm-hmm, yeah. He, him and the accountant are probably like the overlords of this world because Lord Dern kills Crimp. And then that's when you get that famous shot of the movie where her face is all distorted. She shoots him. And then like in Empire Strikes Back fashion, she sees him with her messed up face and then cuts back to Lord Dern, cuts back to him. And then like his face is just almost like a colon d face but the eyes are dripping yeah and there's stuff coming out of the mouth and then she goes she like knocks on the door and then she almost enters the rabbits set it's like she does enter it but then they're not there yeah even though like they get the knock on the door mm-hmm. but then she goes in and there's nobody there and that was like an that was another great moment where like when she enters the rabbit thing it really felt like you just broke through a wall to something yeah and to have the rabbits not there that's somehow scarier than just to have them there Mm because they're just like they're just like guys in rabbit suits and like big funny heads but i don't know it's not like a donnie darko rabbit it's literally just like a fuzzy bunny rabbit plush head that's way scarier than stupid donnie darko (laughs) rabbits yeah (laughs) um but she beats him and then the lady who see at the beginning of the movie um 
embraces Laura Dern's husband. Um, and then we see, it has this like really great credit sequence. It almost feels like religious because you know the movie ends and then I get the vibe that everyone's kind of getting up to go and then the credits start and this girl uh, this with the with one leg this is like sweet and they had mentioned her earlier on in the movie another clue and then they have like uh was it Laura Haring yeah she's there randomly which made me like think Mulholland Drive like she's not even in the movie but in this like I don't know Nirvana place she's there the monkey from what did Jack do is there or at (laughs) least that same breed of monkey yeah I think that's also the same breed of monkey that's in fire walk with me where it just says Judy Oh, yeah, yeah, probably. I wonder if that's Lynch's pet monkey. <laughs> that's his go-to monkey. <laughs> yeah. Um, then they, like, sing the song and dance with the, you know, typical David Lynch flashing lights. Um, another great scene um, is that, the like like I said, the movie doesn't really settle, but you kind of get the idea what's happening after that box draw moment of her going into the set. Um so you're following along, trying to make sense of it, and then you're like, okay, you know, it's just madness, I guess. And then she she gets stabbed, which they prophesize at the beginning of the movie with the screwdriver, mm-hmm. by... Was that Justin Theroux's wife? Uh, like his real wife or the one in the movie? The one in the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the one in the movie. Um, Laura Dern gets stabbed, and then we get a Terry Crews cameo. She uh, stumbles around the city... Goes down to die by this Asian woman whose boyfriend is Terry Crews, and then this um, other black lady, and then they start talking about a train or a bus to Pomox, and the Asian lady talks about her friend's sister who has a hole in her vaginal wall. You're like, huh? And then they they just completely ignore Laura Dern just dying. Right between them while they're talking about it. Yeah. And then they name drop the movie that she was supposed to be in. The lady's like, there'll be no more blues on tomorrow or whatever. What was the movie called? I think it was um, uh, On High to Blue Tomorrows. Was that it? I th- yeah, I think that was it. It was something. I that almost feels like it's like a parody of like pre- like absolutely pretentious art films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it's like, what the hell does that even mean? <laughs> and then this is Lynch saying, "Fuck you guys." <laughs> um, she name drops a movie, and then they do a thing that they hadn't has haven't done since Laura Dern saying sounds like lines from a movie where the director goes cut. And then it cuts back, and you see the camera, and you're like, wait, what? We're back in the movie? <laughs> yeah. Station, what the fuck? And then she leaves that, and that's the station. That's when it gets all crazy. It gets even crazier. Yeah. The movie is just nuts. Um, do you want to talk about your theory? Yeah, sure. Okay, so I try to actually piece together the film. Mm-hmm. So I was like, what the fuck is going on? Okay, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's all half-baked. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. But... One thing, so the ending of the film is like um, Laura meets this girl that's been watching on TV mm-hmm. and she kisses her and then she disappears. Yes. So, okay, and this was and this was one thing where my theory is like, okay, this is also kind of similar to Mulholland Drive, where it's like there's so there's Laura Dern's character and she has this husband, right? Mm-hmm. And the husband is kind of creepy. Yes. Um, okay, my thing. And I don't, and this is the only way I can rationalize having those weird prostitute girls there is that, like, they just have these ghost prostitute ladies that come and they're just like, hee hee, they do, they do the fucking locomotion. Yes. And it's like, what does this have to do with anything? <laughs> Even in a movie that's far out, it's like, this feels far removed from what the fuck is going on. I, I feel like there's some story there where he, those are like his previous victims or something maybe he's like some bob type of guy Mm -hmm. but it feels like those girls were once his okay that makes sense that's just i just got that feeling because they the husband is antagonistic throughout the entire film he never smiles um she's really worried about her husband finding out about her and justin theroux Mm -hmm. um but then the thing is like at the end of the film after she kisses the TV girl and she disappears and the TV girl is in the dingier house that she has because yep. Laura Dern has two houses in the film yes. where one of them is like huge Hollywood mansion which yes. she has at the beginning 
but then we also see her popping through to like this dingier one which kind of remind me of Mulholland Drive where it's like the this is the great life she envisioned and maybe this is the shitty life that she actually has yeah um so okay I think that girl and the husband I don't know what the deal was there okay <laughs> because okay listen 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 at one point Laura Dern when she's talking to weird account guy she's like my son my something something when my son died yes and then that husband shows up with presumably the son uh, to the TV girl now I don't know if that girl is like a fractured part of her persona or something I don't know if Laura Dern is even real um, you get the sense that and it's kind of a it's interesting because you get Laura Dern's the main character but then you get the sense at the end of the film that it wasn't even her story mm-hmm. you know it was just it was this girl's and she reconciles with her husband and the kid and it's okay but that husband can't be the same husband that I think is like a potential Jack the Ripper type who has all these weird girls so maybe that's just another per- maybe that's a tulpa <laughs> Maybe that's a tulpa of the husband. Yeah, uh, like Dougie Jones? <laughs> yeah, like a Dougie Jones. That, like, that was all I could really piece together. Because I also kept wondering, why do they keep flashing back to this, these street walkers? Mm-hmm. That was the thing that, that was bothering me. Like, everything else was like, it works because it just, like, it enhances the atmosphere. It makes things scarier. Like, she goes to this dark thing and this guy is just listening to her talk, doesn't say anything. And the fucking rabbits but then that though that felt like a key element to me and that was the only thing that i could really piece together uh honestly um from a linear perspective um i do like <laughs> i like the ending when the credits as you mentioned where it's like everyone's gonna get up and then they do the number because something about that um what i liked about that was that because the whole time you're thinking like is this the movie and then you're like well it's not the movie she's going fucking crazy mm-hmm. and then and the Terry Crews scene they're like cut and then you're like what it may it gave me the sense like this was all some weird like um weird like otherworldly beings production <laughs> because you have Laura Dern like uh in sitting there smiling you get cameos from these other actors. Then they do a musical number to like a jaunty song, and then they end it. That to me was like that was like the that was like when the actors hold hands at the end of theater, mm-hmm. and then they bow. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that is a clue there. Like maybe this is a movie, but not the kind of movie that um, people. Like you know what I mean, man. <laughs> like you yes. know what I'm saying, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that was another clue that I was thinking about. That's really all I could glean. I need to. I need to watch this again. Mm-hmm. There's also there's a, there's a ton of recurring things. Like there's this. Every time she sees a door that leads her to somewhere weirder and scarier, it says like um, Ixon. It's like A I X X O on. But it's, I, I thought it was like a degree sign. It was. But it's probably supposed to be an, a little O. It's like one of the one of them is one of the letters is smaller and higher than the rest. It's just like this weird cryptic thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm thinking like when I saw that, I was like, maybe that's call like to me that felt um that felt more traditional horror, where it was like this is like it like a Blair Witch type thing, whereas like the Blair Witch, the stones. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was thinking back to like the gypsy curse that they say that the movie's about, but that it, that stuff it just feels too pedestrian for Lynch. Now you know, like there's shit scarier than demons and ghosts. Like no, 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 we can go deeper. Okay, let's look at what's in your own fucking mind. Uh, that yeah, that's really it. That's all I could piece together. Otherwise, it's a great just exposition of his style. The the Mohan Drive thing. I, I was a little hung up on it, but that's just because it feels like he had extra ideas from Mulholland Drive. Mm. Or I know that Mulholland Drive was supposed to be a TV series. Maybe this was like what like it feels like it's like a like an expansion for it. You know, like it's its own separate project, but it's like heavily inspired by it or ideas he had for that Mulholland Drive project. Yeah, it could. F- it feels like it could be in the Mulholland Drive universe, and it's just another character from that movie. And then the thing with me is that, like, I really like Mulholland Drive, and that's a really tight picture 
that still feels very David Lynch. Like to me, that's his quintessential picture. It's mm-hmm. got everything you got. It it's re- accessible enough while still retaining a style. And then this is just like this is like a more like maybe true to truly Lynchian version. But like because they're so because they came out around the same time and they're semi similar, it's the kind of thing where I feel like I'm gonna gravitate back to Mulholland Drive more so. Same than this one because that one i mean that one you can also watch with somebody else reasonably yes uh, like somebody new because that one got critical acclaim this one i think the reception was mixed it's it's probably like the ebert's hated everybody yeah. you know everybody else who's more open will enjoy this but yeah it's it, like if you had that uh flow chart of david lynch movies it would be at the bottom of the one to recommend yeah. you would start with like blue velvet and yes. work your way down to that and then like twin peaks pilot and then like uh wow that horror is not that bad yeah but then yeah then, yeah uh i would give it for now like i like it um i'd give it seven out of ten bags i'm gonna give it three out of five bags for because um even though I think it has the potential to be more mm-hmm. or maybe that I can get more potential out of it. Yes. Uh, as of right now, the first viewing was enjoyable, um, but it was a bit of an experience. It's sometimes maybe even a little overwhelming. Yeah. I feel the exact same way. Yeah. Um, so you flick the switcher? No, I didn't. I, for a second, I was like, oh, did I? Is it off? It's, oh, okay, good. No, I was like, I was like, I was looking at it. I was like, oh man, did I actually, did I fiddle with it too much and I forgot? <laughs> no, 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 it's fine. Seen any good movies lately? Uh, let's see. So, oh, wait, 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 wait. Sorry, before that, it's your pick. What are you picking? Uh, give. I'll I'll pick while you're talking about the you, the movies you saw well, lately. Okay, what did you see lately? I saw Elvis again because <laughs> a friend wanted to see it. Again? Yeah, a friend wanted to see it. John, oh my Jonathan god! Jonathan wanted to see it. Um, and my opinion on it is basically unchanged. I didn't glean anything new except, like, you see some seeds. There's, like, some for- some basic foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the movie's still, like... For me, it's, like, a three out of five bags. It's a lot. It's still jarring to have that super frantic first half. Oh. And even Jonathan said that the first... When Did we he? walked out. He's like, the first half was, like, ADHD editing. <sighs> and then it just slows down. And I'm like, that really is just like it's gonna be the thing where like you either like the first half or the second half more and then like it's just it's too messy it's too inconsistent for it to be like truly good or even great it's just kind of okay maybe when it comes to streaming i'll watch the last half yeah and then maybe if you would just watch the last half after already seeing the film you might appreciate it more as just a standard biopic Mm mm-hmm but yeah, it was it was decent. It's nice to see it in theaters. It's got good sound and visuals and stuff. I saw Minions. Don't spoil it for me, bro. I'm gonna go see Minions. Um, honestly, not like terrible. No. I mean, like my expectations were low as dirt, <laughs> but uh, it's just like a it's just like a basic ass kids movie. I didn't even find the Minions that annoying. Mm-hmm. To be honest. They're okay here. You get Gru, so Steve Carell's there to kind of carry the load so you don't have to hear avocado, banana, papaya for like an hour and 20 minutes, which in the movies are like less than 90 minutes. Um, and they also, for and I guess in an effort to maintain the attention of, for kids it'll be no problem, but to maintain the attention of the parents, it's set in the 70s and then they just jam it with 70s hits. Okay. He go like grew like the base of the of the villain team that grew wants to join is like criminal records and they're like he's like referencing Peter Frampton and then they have like a million covers of classic 70s songs those are hit and miss it's like thundercat does fly like an eagle sure and then it's like St. Vincent does funky town no uh no so sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't suck okay, it it's fine it's it's pretty inoffensive it didn't feel long that's like the best endorsement i can say it was it was less than 90 minutes but i didn't i wasn't washing the clock mm-hmm. it's reasonably fast-paced so whatever um and i also saw casablanca nice um i saw that with gabrielle nice uh i think i talked about it on the show before because we had watched it before it's a great movie um don't worry about it don't worry about it <laughs> Uh, great movie. I think it deserves the praise it gets. Um, yeah, it's really good. It's classic. Yeah. You know, it's Casablanca, man. 
haven't seen it. It's, you know, you'll get around to it. I will. It's not like a mind-blowing picture. It's just a really well-made, intimate story set during wartime. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah, I imagine it's just going to have a, a really great script, good, good costuming, script. and good acting. Yeah, yeah. Good, good sets. Yeah, it's good. And it's got iconic lines, many. That's, I think, all I saw. Okay. Those are all in theaters. So, nice. you know, it's summer's time, so you got to go to the cinema as much as you can. True. Yeah. What did you see? I and just, I'll pick my movie. Okay. Uh, I just finished Stranger Things season two. Okay. You know what? I, I have to say something mm-hmm. quick about Stranger Things. Okay. I thought this volume two season four was it. Me too. And then they say, oh, season five in two more years. And I thought, I was like, I, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> like, You're I'm already watching done. the show and I'm done <laughs> because I don't want to hear people talk about OMG, that scene where Eleven <laughs> did the thing. And then they thirst trap over new characters and shit. And oh my god, just put it to bed. Why did they do a volume two? And why are the episodes like two hours if there is not the end? Like I can't, season five is going to be self indulgent. I'm not even watching the show. <laughs> and it's just I'm tired of it. I'm sorry, but go ahead, go ahead. You actually are watching it. Um. Yeah, I just finished the finale season two last night. Season two really is just a stinker. It's <laughs> like four out of four or five bags out of ten. Probably. No, like shit. It's like shitty. it's just so boring. At, at times, I just be on my phone. Like, yeah, I get it. It's the plot is stretched so thin. Uh, someone has asked me like, oh, like what's that season about again? I'm like, oh, there's like. And then I listed the two things that happen in the whole season. There's, like, two things. And then, like, the show is just a lot of scenes where people are planning things, planning attacks, explaining what's happening. Mm. I need to see the characters living in the universe, okay? I need to see them um, playing the guitar, singing Just You and I (laughs) together forever. Like, I need those moments, you You know? You need the 11, why (laughs) moment. And it's just it's it's just Stranger Things a show where they're just doing TV show things, you know. Um, dude, I have to apologize. The last time I talked about Stranger Things, I was calling the character Nancy Mandy the whole time, <laughs> and that's just how little I I care about some of these characters. Like Nancy is nothing. Can we just? Yeah, get- I remember in season one, it's like um, like surprisingly like the teen when i watched i would have been a teenager the teenager stuff was way less engaging than just the kids having adventures the teenagers they just do teenage shit where it's like oh my god i love him <laughs> and they're like kind of helping but like they're not they're the side characters and it's like you know bro do you love steve harrington though <laughs> do you love him bro or no, he's such a heartthrob. Uh, they and they end the season with like a maybe they'll get back together. And I'm like, I don't care. I don't give a yeah, shit. Yeah, like, you guys are less interesting than Donna and James. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, like, that's 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 pretty easy because they're pretty interesting. Honestly, in comparison, yes. Do you want me to tell you what happens? Yeah, it's just tell me. I've already been looking at stupid memes that are telling me what's happening in season four. I don't care. Uh, I'm not. I hope it's better, but. Do you remember in the end of season one, Will is, like, puking up little slugs? Yeah, and then the stinger is, like, he's out, but is he? Yes. Yeah. So what happens is that there's this new character they call the Shadow Monster until they name drop it, and they call it the Mind Flayer. And I I, I get the feeling that every season they're going to introduce a new Stranger Thing, and they're going to have this moment where they name it because that's going to be the cool moment. The Demogorgon. Because Lucas calls it the mind f- uh, flayer and snaps when he does it and it like echoes on the snap like it's this big bombshell drop that it showed Obi-Wan moment. Does he flay minds? I don't even, So, okay, here's a plot. There's this evil spreading through Hawkins. Hopper gets called to this guy's farm because his all of his pumpkins are rotted, but not just like moldy. They're like black, yeah, and it looks like biblical. Yeah. Um, Hopper does some investigating and he finds these tunnels underground. They're coated with tentacles and noises and that like trademark um, asbestos floating in the air. Yeah, the upside down ash. Yeah. yeah. Um. From the forest fires they always have in the Upside Down. <laughs> yes. 
Will keeps having these moments, they call them, where he's, he goes nightmare mode. He goes to the upside down and sees the, the big shadow monster. Looks a little goofy. He's, like, very smooth. Um, he's, like, multi-limbed. He's huge. He looks like an Eva or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to struggle here because I don't know if I really got it all. Not because it's hard to understand, but I just didn't care all that much. I think the Mind Flayer was the leader of the Upside Down, and he had this army of Demogorgon dogs, a.k.a. Demodogs, that evolved from the little slug Demoslugs that Will would puke up. The Mind Flayer's Mind Flayer's like living in Will, but then he the Mind Flayer also controls a hive mind that is a Demodogs. Okay, so he's the kingpin of the Upside Down, and the Demogorgons are like his minions. Yes, his okay. Goombas. His Goombas, okay. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put a comfortable a trillion billion dollars down that they're going to reveal a new character who's actually the kingpin of the Upside oh, Down. Oh, next season? Yes. Because when you get rid of him, then it's like, well, what do you do? Yes. And you'll find the Upside Down was just one of nine realms. <laughs> Govern each by their own shadow king, <laughs> and then you'll find the real one. Yes. Yeah, and then uh, season four, you you fight his mother. <laughs> um, Dustin harbors one of these demodogs, names it D'Artagnan, Dart for short. Dart is, is, is he cute? Like a little? He's a? Is he like the baby adult of Stranger Things? Yes. Yeah. And then he grows up, eats cat. Uh, Dustin's cat. Dustin's like, that's kind of a dick move. I'm gonna kill you now. Um, then the then my dog escapes. They go hunting for it. That's when they find all the other ones. That's about it. Then it's just the it's just it literally is Stranger Things two, where they're just doing it's the, the ending of the season is deja vu. L has to save the day. She closes a portal, this massive portal. She uses so much psych psychic kinetic powers that she has a double nosebleed usually it's a single and instead of one hand she uses both so that's <laughs> how you know it's really powerful yeah <laughs> while she's doing this hopper is using an ar-15 to shoot down demodogs <laughs> okay. from the sky um so the, the, the shadow king is trying to invade and take over the world yeah they they perform an exorcism on will they sweat the shadow king out of him l closes a portal and then you have, like, the first good scene in a while where you just see the characters living in the universe because then you have, like, the prom night at the end. Uh, Elle goes out with Mike. They kiss. Oh, Dustin yeah. can get a girl, so he dances with... I'm going to call her Mandy from now on. <laughs> um, Lucas Mandy. gets with Max. And Will gets with some... Oh, I think it's, it, it's some girl, but it's, like, some girl they reference before. Yeah. So she's somewhat important. And Max is that uh, redhead girl yeah, yeah, that yeah. they introduce. Okay, yeah. okay. Um, I mean, that's that's it. Elle meets this other character who's one of the other children. They have some moment. What's the stinger for next season? Okay, so the prom ends, or it cuts back away from the prom. Camera flips to the upside down, and then... The Shadow King is still alive. Somehow the Shadow <laughs> King has returned. Whatever. That's it? Pretty sure. Uh, so then it's like he's going to be back. So they didn't fully defeat him. So he is the ultimate boss then. No, comes, there's going to be some other guy. Because if he guy. comes back, then that means they don't have anything else bigger. More bigger. Oh, and um, do you remember Bob when you were watching season two? Who's Bob? Samwise Gamgee. No, I don't He's Joyce's wholesome big chungus husband who's just happy all the time, always can say the right thing. Oh, I think I do remember him. He dies. Oh. Which was a big shocker that the one new character they introduced died and all the main characters are fine at the end. Well, Max is a new character. She was main character energy, though. Oh, you know I what see. I mean? Yeah. Well, you know, they gotta have... You gotta have a little will they, won't they, and then and then Hopper and uh, Hurricane get together because the two adult leads, 
and they're in the same age range. I don't want Hawkins to feel like these ten main characters doing TV small, show things. Small you know, town, man, small town. Sorry. Like Twin Peaks, they would have the diner where there's all these characters, and maybe they have a line or two. And it felt like the show opens on the sign that says Twin Peaks, population of fifty-two thousand. It almost feels like it. Hawkins feels like ten people. <laughs> Look, but the people like the characters. The thing with Twin Peaks is that the, there's really good core characters, but like its big strength is like its big cast of characters. Mm-hmm. You really think they could do multiple likable, unique characters as yes. strange things? Like be be realistic, okay? Come on, <laughs> and like you said, it's like the you didn't even like the teenagers, and they're like like they try to expand the cast a little, mm-hmm. and it's like no. <laughs> And it's like just go back to the main characters. So they know they know where their strength they're playing to their strengths, you know? One thing that they do is they change up the status quo by adding Steve into the uh, the kids friend group and he's kind of like their babysitter now. Okay. I like that cuz dad daddy Steve is a good call. Daddy Steve is a yeah. good call. Yeah. yeah, where he's he's like the Bowser to all the Koopalings, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and he plays like a we smash Wii U with them mm-hmm. and pulls amiibos out and stuff like that. You've seen that commercial, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Daddy Steve is good as that. Yeah. yeah. Is this the season where they wear a Hoy hat? I think that's next season. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. It's a it's kind of boring, kind of sucks. For, so, from somebody who's only seen first season, these are the eras, okay? There's first era, first season, which is like the genesis. Mm-hmm. And then uh, sophomore slump. Nobody really cares for that second season. I don't even remember anything from it. Yeah. And then third one, I think people liked it because I saw a lot of ahoy on my social media yes. whenever that came out. I saw people. I saw people on Halloween dress up in the ahoy. So that's you can look forward to that. That's probably going to be the return to quality. And then season four is. It's like now it's huge, huge. I'm I you know, I'm hopeful. It's like, looking. It's it. Look, everything's coming up. It's gonna be coming up. All right. You know what I mean? Yeah. But if your episodes are gonna be 40, 50 minutes long, you know, more take, stuff. Take some leisure around Hawkins. You uh, know, like like show me them living in the in the world. Let me actually care about these characters. Don't like don't make them vessels to be like. A demogorgon? What's that? Um, okay, so a demogorgon is a thing that lives in the upside down. Okay, how do we got to do it? Okay, we got to do... It's like almost feeling like an episode of Star Trek, but not as cool. <laughs> Look, the mystery is where it's at. I noticed that, you know, I watched some a TV show. I saw some teen drama a couple of days ago uh, called Outer Banks. Like, just one episode. And I was thinking that too. And this is just an example. And I feel like a lot of TV makes this mistake where it's like the characters aren't people. They're just vessels for the adventure yeah. or for the plot. And it's like, that's where you fuck up because you have to spend hours with these people. Yes. So it's like, if they're not cool, like even if your char- even if your plot is whatever and the characters are good, that's always going to keep people. But like vice versa, you know, yeah, I yeah. don't know. I have to. I have to care. Yeah, I have to care when I see Bob getting, you know, eaten alive by demo dogs. Um, what's the movie? Oh shit, that wasn't. Uh... <laughs> That's all I got, man. That's all you got. Uh, okay, let me pull out the list here. Playing Cuphead, pretty easy. Pretty easy. <laughs> get get a load of this guy. All right, pick a number between seven. No, there's not that many. There's not that many left. Four. Okay, uh, just can you just wait a second? <laughs> um, so you so is uh, Amazing Colossal Man on the table or no? <laughs> just just to just to get this out of the way. Temp check. Is it is it is it on the table? No. Okay, it's uh, moldy, man. Take. <laughs> uh, pick a number between one and three. <laughs> three. We're gonna do Return of the Living Dead. Nice. Uh, which I think we ta- I want to say we mentioned that a long time ago and we said we had to watch it and yeah. it fell through the clock so this is like going to be this this is going to be a classic cop film okay mm-hmm. it's got laughs it's got uh, zombies got some homages to stuff probably I actually don't know that much about it but uh, 
on that 400 movie list okay low percentage of good picks i'll tell you that it's like monster squad but better uh that is you i'm actually down on the film now are you because you mentioned monster squad at all and that movie was so so shitty was so bad horrible film i hope i give that one bag (laughs) do you want do you want to give it one bag i if i didn't give it one bag one bag because i just not a chance would i even watch this again if i was if i came home drunk as hell at 4 a.m and i couldn't go to sleep and that was on tv i i just watched static instead (laughs) you know like i I have to. I I'm gonna retroactively change a couple scores because I thought about this the other <laughs> okay, day. Sure, why not? Yeah. Um, I want to give. I'm pretty sure I gave Blue Velvet and Elephant Man both ten. I'm gonna put them no both. No way, you gave Blue Velvet ten. I might have, but I'm gonna just in case. I'm giving both of them nine. Okay. My feelings on them haven't haven't changed. Like the things that I said, I don't go back on. But that score, I need to change because, like, Fire Walk with Me and Mulholland Drive, uh, those are tens. Tens. Yeah. Yeah. Elephant Man, like, is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is like kind of just a biopic. If you're yeah. gonna knock it, mm-hmm. um, Blue Velvet was good too, but it felt like he was holding back to make <laughs> to make it more palatable. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, that one is like, of all the Lynch movies I've seen, I don't know if I like, actually, I think I like Wild, in hindsight, I think I like Wild at Heart more than Blue Velvet. Really? I think that movie has more character. Okay. Yeah. I gotta rewatch that one, because I had only seen it the one time. Wild at Heart? For the show. Yeah. Yeah. I would re, I would rewatch it. It's the thinking man's natural born killers. I'll say that. Anything else you want to add? Uh, no, no, no. All right. Well, oh, I'll add this. Cinematech, step up your popcorn. You know. Also, one thing that kind of... Th- I'm going to remove a bag from Inland Empire. No, oh. I'm just kidding. Uh, but the movie had so many quiet scenes, and I like... I'm a bit conscientious with my popcorn eating at the movies. <laughs> if it's quiet, I don't like to chew. Um, yeah, yeah. You so don't want to be like the guy, like, slamming the bag around <laughs> and shit. Like, digging at the bottom. <laughs> yeah, no, I get you. So, there, it was hard to find time in that movie when to, to eat my popcorn. So, shame on you. It's, um, it's, the cinematic is too intimate. Yeah. You need to at least, like, you can't just have me eye level with other people. Like, you gotta stagger that seating so I don't have to look anybody in the eye when I just fucking gorge out on my Reese's, you know? It's too much. <laughs> Maybe if we go see enough pictures there, they'll step their popcorn game up and their maybe their seating game. Please. Because sometimes also... I only saw like 95% of inland because the guy in front of me's head, yeah, it was it was at the bottom of the screen the whole time. That's what I was thinking too because I'm kind of a tall guy and I, I like to move around a lot, unfortunately. Like I'll start to slouch it's and like then I got to It's like you have to slump if, to be a nice guy because yeah. like, you know, I don't know. Get, just go go to a school, go buy a bleacher set, <laughs> fix that up. 20 30 bucks some tax from home depot <laughs> there you go man i don't know <sighs> that's it that's it um oh when do you want to do our fire walk with me commentary track uh, do you want to do that just for our third year and just have a be we do a commentary track every uh anniversary or what do you want to do maybe um, cause that's gonna be like months away, right? December or January, one of them. Maybe, maybe we will keep it for that. Sure. We should, we should have some, uh, we should have some game action happen again. Yes, because it is summertime and it's and it's fun summer fun time. We'll have some. When was the last time we did uh, trivia? That was like November or something. Yeah. So yeah, well, we'll try to get some gaming in. I want to do that, and I want to just go do an episode in a park. Yeah? I think that'd be fun. Well, we've done an episode in the park, but, like, not... In a van. How are we going to do it in the park? Like, on the phone? No. Uh, bring a laptop, hook all this oh. up to the laptop. And then, yeah. Get some chairs. Yeah, okay. Yeah. 
I think that'd be cool. Get some ambient noise in the background. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'd like to do it in a van if van permits. <laughs> um, but but I think it's in a state of uh, dysfunction right now. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. Shout out to the van. Shout out to the world. Listening to this episode, be it the pre, post, or just plain old fashioned rags. Send us a movie recommendation on our Instagram at COP Podcast, COP Podcast, and we'll review it on the show. Shake Shay, and may the road rise up to meet your wheels. Was that good enough? Is that the take? Not even close. Take 174, rolling three. Two, one.